This is Talking Urology. Welcome to a Talking Urology conference highlight from Ands Up 2019 in Brisbane, proudly supported by an educational grant from Ipsen. This Ands Up conference highlight features Ian Davis, the chair of Ands Up, chatting to Alison Bertel, a clinical oncologist. That means she does both radiation and medical oncology from Rosemere Cancer Centre in Lancashire in the UK. They discuss the development and execution of the successful Phase 3 PALT trial, which has set the new standard for the benefit of adjuvant chemotherapy in men with locally advanced upper tract urothelial cancer after nephrourethectomy. Hello, my name's Ian Davis. I'm chair of ANZUP Cancer Trials Group, and I'm talking to you from the ANZUP annual scientific meeting held in Brisbane in July 2019. And it's a great pleasure to be here with Alison Bertel, all the way from the UK, one of our eminent invited speakers. Thank you for coming, Alison. Welcome. You're very welcome. I'm delighted to be here and very pleased to be able to talk a bit about the trials that I've been involved with and about ANZUP. So, Alison, you're probably best well known for the PAUT clinical trial. Can you give us an update on what you've talked about today? So in the session this morning, we were talking about making connections, which is the whole theme of ANZUP 2019. And my thing was to talk about how we connect trial networks, particularly for studies where we've got a low incidence. And there are a number of themes that you need to look at for that in terms of, is there an unmet need? Because the trial has to be something that people really want to do. Otherwise, there's no point in doing it, no matter how great the idea seems to be for us as clinicians. Then we have to involve the clinicians who are going to be doing the study and the patients so that we get the design right before we ever go near a funding body for that. And one of the things we did with the PAUT trial was that we did audits of practice across the UK. We wanted to know, were people currently giving adjuvant chemotherapy to patients after a nephroureterectomy for upper tract TCC? Or were they surveying the patients? And if they were doing either of those, would they be prepared to enroll the patients in a clinical study? And we found out, yes, people were doing either surveillance or chemotherapy, but they didn't know what they were doing was right. And so we had the basis of the oncologist being on board. The second thing was to say, well, what do we need to do if the patients are node positive? Do they need a node dissection? Should they just do a macroscopic removal of visible nodes? And the urologist across the UK said, well, you know, there's no level one evidence to say that we should do a nodal dissection and we're not going to do one. So that meant that the study could pragmatically do what the surgeons wanted to do. And we asked the patients. So we convened a focus group of patients who were either known to those of us who were clinicians and had had a nephroureterectomy, or we recruited them through the Macmillan Cancer Voices website. And we asked those patients three questions. Would you prefer neoadjuvant chemotherapy or adjuvant? And we obviously explain that in lay people's terms. Would you accept chemotherapy and would you accept surveillance? And we also asked the same questions to the oncologists about neoadjuvant or adjuvant treatment. And you know, there was a resounding agreement between clinicians and patients that they wouldn't support a neoadjuvant study because they wanted to know that they had nasty cancer that needed to have more treatment rather than, well, they might have got invasive cancer, but they couldn't be quite certain based on preoperative imaging. So that's how we had the original basis for the study to then go on and get funding. So one of the really inspiring things about this is the fact that you did have such great engagement of the clinicians, but also the patients at the centre of all of this. But you're also a full-time working clinician. So people who are trying to set up a practice-changing study like this, what sort of lessons can they learn and what suggestions would you have? 
I think you have to be so committed. You know yourself, if you're going to be chief investigator on a study, particularly on an academic study, that you have to be available pretty much all the time. So in things of safety reporting, you have to sign them off. You have people need to know where you are or you have to have delegated that if you're on holiday. And you have to you know, report on that within 24 hours of the safety reporting coming through. But it's about things like the protocol, the submission for ethics. They all take a lot of time. You have to be hugely organized and committed and make certain that you time manage appropriately, particularly if you've got a busy clinical job. I think the important thing, as you'll know yourself, is that you have to invest you into a study and put your heart and soul into it. So the trials units are fantastic. I was so lucky. I work with the Institute of Cancer Research Clinical Trials and Statistics Unit. But no matter how good a trials unit is, you as the CI have to invest you. So if you're more likely to get somebody looking at barriers to recruitment, if I contact them, if I email Fred Smith at the hospital in, you know, South End or wherever and say, look, I can see that you've not opened the PAUT trial. Tell me about the barriers to recruitment locally. How can I, as the chief investigator, help? What information do your local team need to be able to get the study open? And there's no doubt that that personal touch really helps push things forward. I mean, we had the PAUT study, which is, you know, is a positive study with a 17% improvement in disease-free survival in favor of chemotherapy given adjuvantly after nephroureterectomy. The study was open across the UK, 75 centers open, 57 recruited at least one patient. And every single patient counted. It's a bit like, you know, points make prizes. Patients just one at a time, building them up for niche studies. We're not talking studies of a thousand patients. This was 261 patients. But both centres who recruited even one patient made a real difference to the success of the study. Yeah, I think that, that level of personal investment and commitment is really important. So what comes next for you now? Um, well, the manuscript for the study is about to go in. It's taken a bit more time. We were cleaning some more of the data. And the overall survival data is currently being collected. And I don't think it's that far off. So we're going to move on to the successor study, the PAUT 2 trial, which I'm delighted that ANZOP are really keen to be part of. And now we have a standard of care, which is adjuvant chemotherapy for cycles, um, either with GEMSYS or GEMCARBO. And one of the barriers we had for recruitment in the first study was that patients didn't want chemotherapy. Well, now we've got a standard of care to say, well, that's what you should have. And the obvious thing to do is to have an experimental arm adding in an IO to the adjuvant chemotherapy. So that's the next study, really. That sounds very exciting. Well, thank you, Alison, for coming all this way, taking time out of your very, very busy life uh, and sharing this information and insights with us. It's wonderful to have you. You're very welcome. So that's all from us today. Look out for more great interviews from ANZUP ASM 2019. Talking Urology at ANZUP, proudly supported by Ibsen.